right, guys, what's up? Your host with the most, George McKay. I'm here live at Crossbody Pro Wrestling Academy. I'm sitting down with the head honcho, the man, the myth, the legend, if you will, Mr. Ben. Or the legend, the legend might be too much. Well, <laughs> but I appreciate. Let's go with the, man and myth then. Are you I'm, okay with that? I'm okay with that. Absolutely, I am a man and most definitely a myth. So thank you so much for taking the time out. I just watched the showcase tonight. It was absolutely epic. I had so much fun, entertaining. It had the right mix of the comedy, very much crowd interaction. Even though it was a small, intimate crowd, you still had a lot of fan interaction which you don't get yeah. a lot of in the big products. You really don't. Very Unless you're sitting front row in like a WWE or an Impact show, the guys sitting up in the bleachers, they don't get much of that interaction face-to-face. But here it was great. You've got solid characters. You're a champion holding pro. We had an opportunity to sit down with him a few months ago. He was fantastic to talk to. Yeah, he's a great kid. I got Pretty Ricky coming up in a couple of weeks myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's going to be good. I, I find that guy hilarious. The fact that he comes out to the Karate Kid theme, I'm thinking, yes, Mr. Miyagi all the way. Yeah, he's the man, isn't he? So the one question I always ask everyone that I interview yeah. is everyone has a defining moment, mm-hmm. a moment in time that they can remember when they fell in love with wrestling. Yeah. For me, it was watching Superfly Snuka fly off the cage on a taped copy of Madison Square Garden because I was obviously much younger. I was much younger than when that was uh, – so I didn't hitchhike like Nick Foley to Madison Square Garden. Yeah, yeah. So what is your defining moment, the moment when you fell in love with this sport that we're talking about today? See, that's a great question, and my answer sucks because <laughs> the reality is, is I don't have one. The – I. I don't have one of those cool, like, oh my God, I saw this and it made me go, oh, ooh, I want to do that. From the moment I was born, I literally, like, I'm assuming that my dad just sat me in front of, like, a TV at one point in time when I was just a wee little youngster and I locked eyes on TV and whatever the hell was on TV is what I fell in love with because I literally do not remember liking anything else when I was growing up. There was no moment where I was like, oh my God, like, this is cool. It was just, that was all I knew was like as as far as wrestling goes like i i didn't i wasn't a comic book guy you know i was never into batman i was never into like spider-man i was never into in a weird way i was never even really into sports like for for me pro wrestling was my entire life it was my world and as far as i was concerned hulk hogan was god you know like that was that was me like i i I, I again, I wish I could say that maybe it was, you know, Hogan versus Andre slamming Andre or like whatever the hell it was. But really, it was just it's it's been in my, I feel like it's just in my bloodstream. And it's, it's in just, your DNA. Yeah. And which is weird because um, my, my parents really did their best to steer me away from it once they realized that I wasn't kidding. Because I had always told them, I'm like, I'm going to be Hulk Hogan when I grow up. Right. And that was always my thing. I wanted to be Hulk Hogan. Uh I wanted to be the baby face. I wanted to be the top guy. You know, that's that was as a kid, that's what I wanted to be. And then, you know, you fast forward and you get into your wrestling training and then, uh, you know, you start to realize, oh, this is different than what I first thought it was going to be. Because you take that first bump and, you know, <laughs> you're the, that whole thing like, oh, everybody's going to, I'm going to beat everybody up and everybody's going to. And then you realize it's, me. it's padding this thick underneath two by fours underneath metal. It's humbling. It's very <laughs> humbling and, and uh, it does it very, very quickly. So the beauty part about pro wrestling is that that first bump you take, man, it literally, it's a make or break. You know, you either decide, okay, I can keep doing this or this is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever, we're like a customer. Oh yeah, okay. absolutely. This absolutely. is like the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life, you know? Um, for me, I just knew that that's all I wanted and it, everything in my head was telling me don't continue and I just did because that was the only thing that I ever wanted. 
Um, and to kind of rear back to the original question, I remember, as stupid as it sounds, like, and I'm 16 years old once I was kind of given my green light to, to start wrestling matches, and I remember my, my coaches coming up to me and they were just like, well, what would you want to be as far as your, your wrestling name? What do you want your gimmick to be? That was the first time I ever realized I couldn't be Hulk Hogan. Oh, I no. shit you not. I never, ever thought about what I was going to be. I was always Did your heart just, break a little bit? A little bit. It confused me. It confused <laughs> Because I, I would never – I was like, oh, oh wait, I got to be my – oh, man, I'm not an interesting person. It's like, like the first time you get into girls as a young kid and you're, yeah. like, you're like – You're like, I don't – but I don't like, have any you know, game. I, I, like this, I like this girl here because she's got brown hair, but I'm really digging the butt on blonde. But the redhead is all kinds of fire. And it's confusing. I don't know what I'm and doing. And then you're just thinking to yourself, <laughs> what do I have to offer these people? Yes. Like I I never wanted – like I don't even know what I have to offer just because I've always wanted to be somebody else. So like as weird as it sounds, I just – I didn't know who I was. It took me so long to figure that out. But So I can tell that Hulk Hogan was definitely a big part of your life. For, it probably still is to this day. So Hulk Hogan would probably be a favorite, but do you have another favorite, maybe past or somebody in current times that you might want to touch on? Yeah, my wrestling taste kind of evolved. I can break it down to you. It went from I was I was a Hogan guy, and, I, and I'll always be a Hogan Were guy. You a Hogan guy pre NWO or NWO included? Oh, pre NWO. Like, okay. I, I, like as soon as I was born, like I was born in '84, so like. I was born in uh, '83. I'm older than you. I'm your elder. Remember that. Respect me. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, now. WrestleMania, the first ever WrestleMania was, I think, the March or the April of the year that I was born. So uh, I obviously did. I wasn't. I didn't see it or whatever. But I'm assuming that my dad got me hooked into that Hulkamania just vibe. You must have heard it while you were in. You were in mom. Yeah. You were, you were growing up. You were growing in mom. You were ready to come <laughs> out. You must have heard it. Yeah. I, it, it, I don't know. Like it, it could have been, but I just know that it went from being a Hogan guy to. You know, once you start to grow up a little bit and you start to realize you that there's a you want, difference. You, want, you don't want the cartoon. You want a little realism to it, it too, right? Realness was where I was going with that. Then I became a Bret Hart guy because once I saw what the Hart Foundation was and I saw what Bret Hart was and that he was Canadian and I was like, ooh, that's my dude. To the point where like me and my uh, my friends, I remember uh, my old buddy Bobby Lambrink and then my other buddy, uh, oh Christ, I don't even want to say his name, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> But you I don't remember, get a shout out. No, but Bobby does. Uh, me and my buddy Bobby was a Shawn Michaels guy. Okay. So like when when we were youngsters, like we like I would always go over to Bobby's place to to watch all the pay per views because he had one of those just satellite streams that was like the black boxes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody had a black box yeah, back so in the day. So <laughs> I, I, I was living in the Boone, so I'd make my parents or somebody always drive me to his place in Brantford and then pick me up afterwards and and whatnot. And uh, he was a Shawn Michaels guy. I was a Bret Hart guy. And man, we we legit got in fist fights because of uh, like our our passion for each wrestler. And it was weird because. I, I kind of grew up hating Shawn Michaels for that reason because I was like, oh, fuck you, Bobby. You know, like that's that's he's against my guy. But uh, obviously, Shawn Michaels became one of my guys once I started wrestling. But my my weird path went from Hulk Hogan to Bret Hart to Chris Jericho. And then Chris Jericho has just kind of always been my guy since then. Like when he was the Lionheart and like he was coming out and doing that stupid baby face, like the pose against the, the, the crowd, like against the the. Oh, yeah. there, or sorry, not the term. When he was just a jobber and told to shut up and go out there and put on good matches, but he's not allowed to move up at all. Yeah, like when he was there, that's when I became a Chris Jericho fan because, as stupid as it sounds, his music is what got me. Mm. And like that, like, and it was like the worst babyface music ever. But I loved it to this day. If it comes on, like, I'm just it fires me up. Hold man. on, man, sexy boy. 
Come nope. on. Sexy Boy was probably the worst, even though he was kind of a heel when he started, but once he became face, Shawn Michaels probably had as badass as he I genuinely like the Sherry Martel version better than, than his. Sherry, Sherry, I'll give you the Sherry Martel. I will give you, I will give you the sensation. Because when it's Sherry right? doing it, it makes more sense because it's like it's a chick, she's hot, yeah. big tata. But when, he, I mean? when he's, when he's sitting she's there big. talking about how sexy he is, it's like, no, it's weird and it's awkward. It's funnier. <laughs> but, Remember Sexy Kurt? Yes. <laughs> yes. I would rank that number two. It goes Sherry, Sexy, Sexy Kurt, Kurt, and that is Shawn Michaels' version. If we had to list them, yeah. So we talked about your passion, how you got into it, you know, who you were, who was your guys. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about training. So you said sure. you were 16 when you got your green light to actually perform in matches. When yeah. did, you, did you start training at 16 or was it earlier than So that? I started training. Uh, it's going to sound messed up. My first day of training was September 11th, 2001. Hard day to start. It's hard day to start your passion. Weird, weird day. So, but it's not like anybody knew what was going to happen that correct. day. Correct. Now, to preface this, I wanted to say that uh, SmackDown was in Toronto the day before I went to go and start my wrestling training. Okay? Uh, it was either the day before or two days. But it was something. It was a couple of days before. Uh, maybe even been the week. I can't remember. But it was some, It was very, very close. I, it was also the first day of school. So, yes, it was the week before. Uh, the very first day of school, I skipped... Because I knew that the wrestlers were going to be coming down like that one. I knew where, they, where the entrance was at the Air Canada Center. My entire goal was to skip school to see if I can run into Chris Jericho and just ask him to give me a piece of advice. That's all I wanted. Um, so I went down there and everybody was driving through. Like I saw like everybody. I saw Vince. I saw Stone Cold with Deborah. Like I saw like Big Show. He stopped the car because his wife was behind me. And he, I thought he was talking to me. And then he got all pissed. And I thought he was going to sh- like kick the shit out of me. Uh, <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. So then <clears throat> after that happened with Big Show, I was just like, you know, maybe I didn't see Chris Jericho go in. And I, I don't know. I'm just going to call it a wrap because I'm sure it's their call time or whatever. Right. So I go to walk away and I go to turn around the building. And sure as shit, as I go to turn around the corner, here comes Chris Jericho just walking with his luggage. And I was like, whoa, Chris Jericho. And he's just like, yeah. I was like, literally the whole reason why I came down here was to, to run into you for like two seconds. I, just, I needed to ask you something. And he's just like, yeah, what's up? I'm like, I start my wrestling training next week. Is there? I just wanted a piece of advice because he's like, you're my guy. And he just looked at me dead in the eye and he's just like, don't ever let anybody that tell you that you can't do this. I made it. I was successful, so you can too. So don't let anybody ever tell you that you can't do this. Thank you very much. And then he just continued to that's walk away. That's kind of a Walt Disney moment right there, man. It was. That's the epiphany of when you're – that's like those crossroad moments where actually, you know what? Holden actually put this into perspective for me when we interviewed him. He talked about level up moments. Mm-hmm. Moments where you kind of reach that and then you want to go even further. Speaking of Holden Albright. Oh, there he is. Hi, Holden Albright. Oh, he's he, he's here too. He's leveling up. We literally – We're just – I was just telling him. Oh, guys, Holden's on the show right now. No, no. I was telling him about when we interviewed you, you talked about level up moments. Yes. And he just told me a story about when he ran into Chris Jericho the day before he started his training. And Chris Jericho told him, I'm successful. I made it. You can be too. Don't let anybody tell you you can't. And I'm trying to explain to him now the definition. I told you I was going to steal it. And I've used it like 18 times since. But I was just telling Ben about the level up moments. I just need to explain that Holden Albright's distracting me with the Alexa Nicole butthole shirt. Yeah. (laughs) It's a whole butt there. Yeah, yeah. We're all trying to say goodbye. I know. The show was great tonight. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you. Thank you very much for giving us this opportunity. And that's what we do on Straight Talk. That's what we do on Straight Talk. That's how we roll. Yeah. We just, we let anybody come in. Free flow. Take it easy, Holden. You did say that this was a free flowing conversation, I did. not yeah. an interview. So. 
and that's and that's when you that's when you know yeah that it's it's uncensored it's, we're having fun it's, man that's what hopefully, we do uh, hopefully the people that are listening if anybody's listening is uh, enjoying themselves too. i'm sure that well it's pre-recorded so i'm sure they'll listen to when it's dropped for sure though <laughs> for sure um so back to what we so were talking yeah. about the level up moment. Yes. So that's a level up moment for sure. Huge. You you, re, you, you met your idol. Yeah. He gave you the advice you were looking for. So now you're thinking, okay, now it's go time. Now here's the thing, and this is this is how powerful that was. Is like that still sticks with me to this day. The amount of times that I've wanted to like throw in the towel and quit, and just because this business is hard, you know, and like for the first while, that that advice always just rang in my head, and then. You know, as we level up, as as we were just talking about, you know, you, you you start to level up in the business, and then and it's the same thing I tell my students. There's a million levels here. Like you you get past that first one, and then like you plateau, and then you get frustrated because then you don't get to the next one, and then all of a sudden you relax, and then you get to the next level, and then you get frustrated, and then you chill, and then it's it's this weird game that you play, right? But you know, as you as you start to level up in the business, the frustrations become more and more. Uh, they're harder to deal with. Um, and sometimes they become more personal because, you know, for me, I, this is, this is my life. You know, a lot of people, this is just like a hobby and a passion, but this is legit my life. You know, like, uh, some guys have wives and kids to go home to, or like, you know, they go home and like they have family dinners and you know, whatever, whatever it is that they, what they do. I don't. You know? I got a beautiful wife and two gorgeous daughters at home, so I'm blessed. That's every beautiful, day. man. I'm Good for you. That's day. great. You know, I, and I'm not saying that I'm I'm not blessed, but I, those are just things that I don't have. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I don't I don't have the girlfriend. You know, the, if anything, I'm still dealing with a bad breakup. You know, and I'm, I'm just moving on at this point. Well, uh, you, you hear the stories, right? You hear all the legends. Like anytime you watch one of those those awesome WWE documentaries, or you watch anything, like I just watched uh, three uh, three sixty. The document, 360 Days. Yeah. Great documentary. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's fantastic. Yep. But there's moments where wrestlers are talking about life on the road, the drugs, the partying, the easy access to multiple women, mm-hmm. the not so much being faithful to your family and all those situations. And you hear about, you hear about all the, the dark sides of the ring. And that's, that's what a lot, of, a lot is coming out now is all about the dark side of, of wrestling. <clears throat> but it's not the wrestling business that's the dark side. Yes, these guys struggle. They're Thank going, you for saying that. They're, going, they're going 330 days a year. Yeah. So it's not easy. But you can go 330 days a year and have a 20-plus year marriage like a Shawn Michaels, 100%. like a Chris Jericho. You don't have to go. No, yes, it's not yes, easy. All, the, all these things are there, there's all kinds of temptations out there. Sure, everybody has temptation. <clears throat> Life is all about sometimes temptation, sacrifice, and all those things. Absolutely, but you can rise above it. Mind you, it, the struggle is real. Yep. The struggle is not easy. I myself, I mean, I'm blessed enough to have uh, a woman in my life who supports me full force mm-hmm. and tells me to chase my dreams. I just worked a full ten hour shift today. I drove down here. I and got she's here, cool with that. Watched the show, and and, and awesome. I'm going to be going home at one in the morning. But I got to get up at 6 a.m. tomorrow when my three-year-old wakes up. I got to put my dad hat on. So my struggle is a little bit different. Whereas your guy's struggle, it's hard because you're sitting here. You're trying to build your character. You're trying to build your business. You're trying to build your connections, build your relationships, build your goal in mind to get to one of those top-tier promotions. Everybody has a top-tier promotion in their mind. Yeah. And, you know, that's and that's the thing is I'm in this really weird spot because, um, like, you know, where I was kind of trying to wrap that up with what I was just saying before is that, you know, I've got this wrestling gym with with the notorious TID and you know this has become my family uh this has become my wife like this this school has become my wife and like these these students of ours have become our children and in a weird way I I I fucking hate that term where it's like my wrestling kids or like my wrestling dad 
but I genuinely feel that way. Like, I mean, all, all of our students, like whether it be like our, our, whether it be Holden Albright, whether it be a Kobe Durst, like Kobe, like those kids, uh, will all like, they're, they're not just wrestling family to me. They're family. They're family. You know, when, you know, this past Christmas, like I, I invited everybody from, from the gym down. I was like, Hey, listen, like if you don't, if you, if you don't have anything going on, this is kind of my little family thing. If you'd like to all come down and then we'll just chill at the gym and we'll have a few drinks and whatever. And the cool thing was, is that it kind of just ended up being, you know, us original guys. Like it ended up being myself and it ended up being Holden Albright, who was our first student uh, at Crossbody. Uh, it ended up being Tyler Thomas, who was kind of like, who was sort of also our first student. Like we kind of latched on it. We picked him up before we even had a gym. Like me and me and Chris did, and uh, we wanted to take good care of him, and you know, and and Kobe showed up, and like there was just a, a few of us originals, and it was just like this is nice, this is family, uh, and I'm spending Christmas with my family. These are my kids, you know. So in a, in a weird way, that it, it's it's also kind of sounds dumb because I'm only 34 years old, and I'm mm-hmm. talking about my kids that are like fucking whatever. Let's get back to the trading for a sure. second. So you had the moment with Chris Jericho, you had your lever elbow, and you said you could do. Who, uh, where did you start training and who did you start training with? So my original training actually started when I was 12. Um, I went to the Hart Brothers School of Wrestling with Joe, uh, well, Ike the Crippler Shaw and Waldo Von Erich. Now, long story short on that was I got about two weeks in and I had to go, my mom and dad divorced when I was really young. So in the summertime, uh, especially when I was that young, I had to go and spend a week with my dad in the summertime. So <clears throat> I let the boys know at the gym, hey, I have to go and do my obligation week, come back, everything's be fine. So I'm a, in retrospect, what ended up happening is that these guys ended up calling my mom and uh, they originally told her that we could do like some sort of payment thing because they wanted a lot of money up front. Um, they, we worked out this great deal where, you know, she, my mom was going to be taken care of. She, they were going to help her out with the payments and stuff like that because they loved me, blah, 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 the horse shit. So I get back from my dad's place. My mom's damn near crying. She doesn't know what, how to say this to me, but she's just like, you can't go back to the wrestling school. And I was like, why? And she's just like, because they're bad people. And I didn't understand why. And I found out afterwards that they basically tried to hold her up for money. And they wow. knew that they could do that because they're they're like, we've got this fucking kid who's, this is all he wants. And he's good, but he's 12. So we can give him a little nibble, but now that he's got a taste in his mouth, now he, he's either got to have it or he can't. And like my mom was just smart enough to, to know better and she just decided no. So then uh, when I was about 16 years old, I had had a real bad taste in my mouth in regards to wrestling schools and the money portion of it. So I will completely admit that I found a gym that was cheap and I didn't know any of the trainers. I had no clue who they were, but they, they accepted me and I went down to check it out. And to me it was a wrestling ring and it was pro wrestlers, but at least people who said that they were pro wrestlers, you know? And if I was to go back in retrospect, the reality is, is that I loved my coaches as human beings, mm-hmm. but I don't think with all due respect to them, they should have been training. Fair enough. Uh, now the one trainer, uh, his name is Flex Falcone. I love that man to death. 
and he was a he he taught me what I knew about fitness at the time. Uh, he literally helped me lose eighty pounds in ten months. Now keep in mind, I had to do all the work, but I had had no clue how to do all the, any of that stuff without him. Wow. Uh, and he was a phenomenal wrestler. If you ever go back and get to watch any of his stuff, he was dope, man. Like he was really good. The problem was with Flex was that, unfortunately, my other trainers they had too much heat around him. And I never understood why with, in retrospect, I do like, they were telling me all the wrong things, man. Like they taught me how to be a disrespectful little cunt to be perfectly honest with you to the point where I remember on my first tour and this seemed like it didn't even seem like it was an out of line thing. It just seemed to be honest, natural. I'm watching these two veterans go over their match and me who had literally had one match in my entire life, which was two days ago walked up to them and tried to tell them how to lock up correctly. Wow. I'd have fucking killed me yeah. if I was me now. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a lot that I go back when I look at the – when I first started that I literally cringe. I was doing an interview with a really good friend of mine, New Scott from the Maritimes. He does these Skype interviews and – I went back to watch it afterwards <clears throat> and he was putting in clips of like some of the matches that we were talking about in with the, with the interview. And I was literally watching back some of my first matches and I was thinking to myself, if I was coaching that kid, I'd have never given him the green light. Like who the fuck let this guy in the ring? So, but it's also humbling that you can look back at yourself and say, you know what? I sucked. Oh, I can, you know, and I, I have no, and the, the, the weird thing is, is I now understand the, how I kind of got to where I am because I was a very hungry kid and I was doing all the right things in regards to going to the shows, setting up, paying dues, trying to be respectful. I didn't know how to be, but I tried. Um, and I, and I wasn't really a good people person either, you know? So like, it was very, very difficult. It was a really uphill battle for me, but then it was guys like Eric Young who saw me like the one day he he literally pulled me aside and he was just like, I'm not going to lie to you, kid. I see you at every show. I see the effort that you're putting in. I hate – I don't hate your trainers, but I hate your trainers. Like they shouldn't be – you need to get retrained. He's like, you've got so much heart and so much potential and so much love for this. And I see it like literally oozing through your pores. And I think that was his way of asking me to go and like train with him. So I remember – um, me and Flex Falcone, because I convinced him too. I was like, dude, we gotta go and we gotta go and train with Eric Young, because Eric Young's the fucking man. And he agreed. And so like I actually brought my trainer with me to go and train with Eric Young the one day. And I don't know why it didn't keep happening afterwards, but like Eric Young brought me on like a road trip or uh, like a couple you know, he always he always took care of me. Like he was always a good guy that way. But um that's basically how I ended up getting the knowledge that I ended up getting. I, I got trained, quote unquote, I got sent into the real world. And then all of these veterans who knew what the fuck they were doing, saw what I was trying to do and saw the path that I was taking. And they just took me under their wing. And then they just taught me, man, like between, between that, um, when I got down to the Maritimes, like I remember within my first like 30 matches, my biggest goal was to work for real action wrestling. They had a they had a full time territory down in the Maritimes, and I moved down there with my trainer because he was moving back there as well because that was where he's from. He asked me if I wanted to go 
live with them. I was like, fuck yeah. Cause like I was homeless. Uh, that's another story. But, uh, but yeah, I was homeless and I was like 17 and, and he's like, you can come with me. I was like, yeah, I'm going. And that's where I wanted to be anyway. So I go and wrestle this other smaller show and sure as hell, there's this guy named Vance Nevada who wrestles for real action wrestling. He comes onto the show mm-hmm. and I was just like, are you supposed to be here? I think you can get in trouble. He's like, yeah. And you're going to shut the fuck up about it. So he's, like, are you wrestling under a mask? He's like, no, there's nobody here, you dickhead. Because like we were at a, a fair show. There was literally nobody there. He's like, I'm here for the money. I'm like, oh, cool. So, and then I just started picking his brain. And nobody else was. And then after like 20 minutes of him just getting annoyed, I was just like, so who are you wrestling tonight? He's like, I don't know. And then I was like, can you wrestle me? And he's looking at me, he's like, I don't know if I have that power. And I'm like, hey, Devin, who is the promoter? I was like, hey, Devin, can I wrestle Vance Nevada? And he's just like, no, you're too green. Oh, shit. Wasn't well, that how you get better? And then Vance just looked at me. He looked at the promoter. He's like, kid's got a point. I want to wrestle him. He's just like, are you sure? He's like, what did I just say? I want to wrestle this kid. I was like, oh, thanks. So nice. um, we went out and wrestled in front of uh, two kids, their grandmother and their dog. Nice. That was the best wrestling lesson I ever got, uh, especially up at that point, because he was literally teaching me holds and reversals while we're in the ring. Cause like we, he would get me in something and he'd be like, reverse this. I'm like, How do I do that? And he would, he'd be like, ah, kick me, stand up. And next thing I know, I'd be in the fucking hole. I'm like, Whoa. Okay, cool. And then I'm like, it was, it was great. And then, uh, after that, he was just like, Hey, you know what? We got a TV taping at the Halifax forum here on Monday. Do you want to come? Me made the mistake. I was just like, can I bring my trainer? Yeah, that's fine. And then I'm like, fuck, I just got heat. And I, because they, they asked for me. So and then when I asked my trainer, I was like, hey, I got invited to the real action wrestling thing. And I asked if I could bring you. And they said yes. And then it dawned on. Now it, I look back and I'm like, uh, like, because he wanted that spot too. Obviously, right? It's a full-time gig. Mm-hmm. So imagine that your kid's got like fucking like 20 matches gets the spot before you do and then says, Hey, I got, I'm, I asked to bring you along with me. And you're just like, there's, there's going to be that. I feel like there was like a weird tension that started there. I, maybe I'm wrong, but I get, again, I think that's what happened. No, I could see it. I can definitely see that for sure. Yeah. Cause we definitely went on, a, we had an outs after, after all of that. Like it took a little while, but I think that that was the beginning of it. So we, we do the match and I'm going to introduce, well, I'm, we, we get the spot, we show up to the building, I'm introducing myself and it was everybody was so mad because nobody was getting paid. And I remember going to introduce myself to Bobby Roode and Bobby Roode's just like leaning up against the ring and I go to like his left-hand side and I was like, hello, Mr. Roode, my name is Ben Ormans. I wrestle with Sean Morgan and uh, it was a pleasure to meet you and I stuck my hand out to him and he's still leaning up against the, the ring and like looking in towards the middle and he just looks over to me and kind of like gives me the get the fuck away from me kind of look and then just didn't even say hello like didn't acknowledge me just kind of give me this really nasty snarl and then just went back about his business and I was just like oh I was like stunned so then this one guy Gary Williams another guy Cowboy Mike Hughes um, and who I think it was Duke McIsaac the three of them came up and they're just like hey kid so yeah you can come hang with us. Um, don't mind Bobby. Bobby's in a bad mood. We're all in bad moods right now. None of us are getting paid. You seem like a nice kid. And that's kind of how my wrestling career was for the first few years. Is like these super talented dudes would see me trying. They would take me under their wing and say, this is how it's done. Try it. I was like, 
cool, man. So like I've got this I've got the weirdest training story. But it sounds like you had like you had you had a lot of trial by fire, if you will. Yeah. You went to unfortunately you had a first couple of good weeks, you got a taste of of what real training would be like. Then you got screwed over. Yeah. You found a cheap school, which is what was in your budget. Mm-hmm. They weren't professional wrestlers. They probably didn't even know what wrestling was, really. No, here's the thing. They they were they were indie wrestlers, but they were just they were low level indie wrestlers who maybe just didn't have the the whole idea. The picture. Um yeah. Like there's there's so many things that I look back on and I'm like and I just keep thinking to myself, God damn, like I, I would never do that and I would never go about it that way with my kids. But in a weird way, maybe that ended up being good for, for our kids here because like, you know, you, you, there's stuff that you learn to not do. And I've been at this for a really long time. So you're either, you're going to oh, learn geez, good, 22 you're going to learn bad. Yeah, 12 to so. 34, 22 years, right? You know, I took a break in between, uh, about a, about a six to seven year break. So I don't like to say 22 years. Let's uh, go with 15. Sure. We can go with 15. So let's talk about, so you're in the Maritimes. Yeah. You kind of do your thing. You have your trial by fire. You're learning from all these vets who are helping you understand the business, understand both sides of the business as in the showmanship and also the business side of the business because it is at the end of the day, the wrestling business. Yep. It's not the wrestling showmanship. It's the wrestling business. And you just talked about a situation where a whole bunch of guys were booked on a card yet nobody was getting paid probably because it's a bad shady transactions by a shady promoter. Yeah. So let's fast forward now. You've moved back. Yeah. You're here in Kitchener. Mm-hmm. You're still doing your thing. Yeah. You had the hiatus. Where did the epiphany of starting Crossbody begin? Another great question with another. I'm good with those, right? Answer. I'm really, yeah. I'm really good with those questions. So, <laughs> so here's what happened: is I, I stopped wrestling in 2009. There was this really weird uh, moment that I had where I was like, I realized that I'm not getting ahead. I'm not playing the politics and I refuse to play the right politics. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, and I'm still to that day. I'm not a political guy. Uh, I'm, I'm just, a, so I, and at that time that was very, very important was to play that game. And I just wasn't doing it. And I wasn't in the shape that I needed to be in. My body was just getting like just mangled and I wasn't making any money. And I was getting tired of starving, you know, like after a certain amount of time, that's a part of the game and that we all have to do it. But after a while, you're just like, motherfucker, I need a meal. Like it's, it's time to eat, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I took some time, like, so I just, I, I, I had to, I had to make that really difficult decision to kind of put everything to the side. And it was very hard. And I depression ate because I didn't know what else to do. And there was about three months after all that, I'm sitting on my couch. I weighed myself or I go to the washroom, obviously, and I weigh myself like 280 pounds. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing, man? Like, this isn't good. It was like, no, it was 285. I remember specifically it was 285. I'm like, I got to do something. And I just remember as I'm kind of having this weird train of thought, like I'm watching TV and I just started watching The Ultimate Fighter and it was season two or three. I can't remember. And I was watching that show and I was like, these guys train really cool. Like it's, I've never seen any of that kind of style training before in my life, but I would never want to fight anybody. I have no intentions. I want to do that ever. And then I remembered that somebody had said that there was a gym in town because I was living in London at the time that had a couple of UFC fighters that owned it. 
So I, I just did some quick research and I decided that I was going to go the one day and check it out. And I remember walking into there thinking, you know, I'll never be able to take these guys because they're pro fighters, but I'm a wrestler. I can handle myself, you know, beat the chest, whatever. And I walked in. The first thing I saw was Mark Hominick hitting the pads with the boxing coach at the time. I don't know if you know who Mark Hominick is. I know of him. Never fuck with Mark <laughs> So You put your stamp on that, Ben? You put your stamp on it, I will right? fully put my stamp on that. I don't care who you are. Do not fuck with that guy. He is uh, 145 pounds of the most devastating human being I've ever seen in my life. Uh, so I walked into watching him hitting the pads, and it legitimately sounded like a shot, like a machine gun. And a machine gun, like in speed, but with like a shotgun sound. If that makes nice, any sense, nice. like yeah, I get it. it was it. just like like him hitting the pads and like him just screaming while he's doing it. And I was just like, okay, you win. Teach me whatever that is. I'm all yours. You know what I mean? So what I made the mistake of doing was telling them that I was a pro wrestler. I told them that thinking that uh, – and not, not Mark specifically, but the coaching staff there. Uh, I told the coaching staff there, I was like, hey, I'm a pro wrestler. This is my background. I didn't realize that I was coming across as uh, braggadocious. Mm. And also, they didn't realize – I didn't realize that because Brock Lesnar was just becoming a thing in MMA, how much like MMA purist – hated pro wrestlers especially at that time because brock was coming in and taking their money much like pro wrestlers hate mma fighters because they think wrestling is a retirement program if they do then that's weird if they would hate mma guys for that because if any wrestler doesn't want for example i would wrestle and i would love to wrestle david arquette in a heartbeat you know why because the dude loves the business and he brings eyeballs to it why wouldn't i want that Absolutely. In that aspect, yes. And even um, even uh, Brock Lesnar leaving and coming back the first time around. Yeah. But uh, me as a wrestling fan, since we're on the subject, to kind of segue into something a little different. Mm-hmm. Me as a wrestling fan, I've always prided myself on loving the business for the business. Yes. Do I agree with every storyline? No. Do I agree with every evolution of every character? No. Am I the one designing the storylines? No. Am I the person who still supports the business? 110%. Good or bad? Better or worse, it's like a marriage. It is. I'll support it. I will support that's a it. Good, that's a good way but, of putting it. But in terms of certain aspects like part-time champions, mm-hmm. uh, you know, $600,000 for a pay-per-view, $250,000 and a flight to and from Saskatchewan mm-hmm. for a 10-second, appear- a 10-second appearance on Monday Night Raw, yeah. I don't respect that. And I never will. Ronda Rousey, I respected her run, but I'm also glad it's over. Right. Uh, did I like the finish at WrestleMania? No, because her shoulders were up. Yeah. They somehow played it wrong or body positioned wrong or some cameraman was on the wrong side of the uh, ring when he mm-hmm. should have been on the other side. Yeah. But do I look at um, those guys as people that I respect for, for their time in wrestling? No. However, however, I look at a Matt Riddle and I look at how hard he's working mm-hmm. and I could sit there and say, am I a fan of your bro gimmick? No, because you're just a stronger version of Zack Ryder in my eyes. But am I a fan of what you're doing and how hard you're working? Absolutely. The work ethic. Absolutely. The work ethic. When you look at the work ethic of one over the other two, yep. I can I can get behind that. Yeah. But when I look at the other two and I know what what the return on the investment, it as a fan, I gotta be honest, 
I, I have, I'm on the fence when an MMA, MMA guy comes in. The only time I ever respected an MMA guy coming in because he was there every week was Ken Shamrock. See, that's, that's interesting to me. Like, I, 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 I genuinely like hearing that kind of feedback just because, you know, sometimes I get a little bit twisted in mind just because, you know, I, I'm, I'm always going to be a fan. You know, I, it, it is what it is. But at the same time, you know, I wear a lot of different hats in the business now. Like, I'm not just a wrestler. I'm a promoter. I'm a trainer. You know, I like I pretty much wear all the goddamn hats now. Like, you're rubbing up, you're rubbing elbows with the best podcast host in the world right now. Exactly. Like, how much and, better can your life get? And at the same time, too, like I'm doing other things as well. Like, I just produced the last uh, Impact pay per view, and then I produced the following set of TV tapings after that. You know, in Toronto, and that's not the first time I've done it. Like, I've I think I've produced. I was trying to do the the, the math on this. I think I've produced upwards to about. 12 weeks of impact TV in the last year. And I got to help produce and direct two live pay-per-views. And that's not an opportunity that any of these other wrestlers get, you know, and it's something that I've really worked hard. No, and, and, and this was, and this so was, there's, so there's a lot of different, so I see the business from all these different angles and where I'm going with right. this is like, you know, as we were discussing before, there's levels, right? So level ups, level ups. Yeah. And you know, so for, for, to hear your, 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 feedback on that is very interesting to me because for me, I see it a completely different way. You know, I, I see it a hundred, like almost like a complete 180. And that's not saying that you're wrong. I just see it a different way. Okay. I see, I see Brock and Rhonda as a gift to pro wrestling. And the reason why I see that is because Brock Lesnar, when he took his WWE fame and went to the UFC and he took those set of eyeballs and then took all of those eyeballs. And now they'll become Brock Lesnar eyeballs. So you've got these two huge conglomerate like sets of like, you know, oh, audience. No, nobody's saying then, it wasn't good for business. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, 100%. Right. So now you've got these two things. Now, after his UFC run is done, you, you as an individual, and, and we can throw Ronda into this too, just obviously a bit of a different circumstance right, because she made her name as a the fucking UFC girl. Right. Right. But then came into wrestling. So Brock, Brock's works because he, that pop, when he first came back after like being away for a while, that raw after WrestleMania, I can still go to YouTube and watch that and watch the hair raise on my forearm. It's still to this day gives me those goosebumps. Oh, it's a moment. And, for sure. and here's the thing about Brock is he's so quiet and he's so reserved and he's so into his own self that you're never going to know what he's doing ever. So if he just shows up all of a sudden, there's that part of you, at least for me as a fan, that as soon as if I'm just watching all of a sudden this out of nowhere and you're not expecting it, you hear that dun, 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 dun. Part of me just wants to stand up and be like, oh, shit's on. Like, okay, I don't know. Somebody's <laughs> fucked up and i don't know who it is but let's fucking watch <laughs> you know what i mean like there's that there's that feeling you get as a fan that you do not get from a zach Ryder or a seth rollins or you can name any other top guy a roman reigns that you see every week but when you see brock lesnar and you see that big dumb fucking sword on his chest you're like shit's about to go down. And Actually, you know what? I get that feeling though, but I get it for Kevin Owens. I'm a Kevin Owens yeah. guy because yeah. Kevin Owens is a guy that looks like me. Yeah. But he moves. Sure. Like you. Right. He's agile as fuck, but he can still pound and ground with you when he needs to. 100%. And that, for me, when I hear that, when I hear that. But the difference the between him and Brock though is Brock doesn't look like a human being. 
No. He looks like a fucking robot cyborg that shouldn't be a, a person. Are you saying That's, the new Terminator? Terminator 4? Maybe. Maybe. Like, Maybe not an actor, <laughs> but but that's no. We've that's seen the, him talk to Paul yeah, Paul Heyman. He's but, definitely not an actor. But that's the allure of Brock for me, and that's worth all of that money that they give him because you can't get you can't replicate that feeling. You know, you can't replicate that aura that he brings. Now, in Rhonda's case, it's a way different story. I still believe it from the sense that like she's valuable because of all of the eyeballs that she's bringing to the product, right? And she's valuable in the sense that, and this is what a lot of people don't realize about Rhonda, how much of a fucking sweetheart she is and how much she loves this business and how much she doesn't, like, that whole I'm a star bullshit. Everybody everybody knows that was kayfabe. Like, she, no, no, not even that, but like, when, when I say, like, for example, okay, and I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to be that guy right now, but... Um, when I did the Raw and SmackDown in Toronto for last summer in August, okay, she was on, she's on Raw at the time. Now I'm expecting her, cause like I've done previous WWE work before. And I remember the one time that Brock Lesnar was booked and like, it was literally here's blah, 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 Brock Lesnar's dressing room. And like, there was very clear, like that's his area, leave him alone. Right. So I was kind of expecting that to be the same thing for Rhonda. And I remember walking into catering and there's her and her husband, Travis Brown, literally just like hamming it up with everybody. It didn't matter who the hell it was. Now, I didn't want to take advantage of it because I was just like, I'm nobody. You know what I mean? But then next thing I know, I'm standing there talking to Travis Brown, like just in in line of catering. And then we just, he's a cool dude. And then next thing you know, you end up talking to Rhonda at a proxy, you know, and then like, oh, you're, you're cool as shit too. Like. And I, you know, we, we ended up getting along. End of the night goes, and then uh, I go to go to my car. Next thing I know, I'm in the elevator with, with her and Travis. And then, long story short, I was going through a bit of a rough night. She saw it. She pulled me aside and literally talked to me for like 45 fucking minutes. Just, wow. to, just to ask me what was going on. Wow. And I don't tell anybody that. But... Well, thank you for sharing that's, that with me. I appreciate it. That's that. how good of a person she genuinely is. And then after I started kind of telling her about my stuff, obviously, you know, I forgot that she was Ronda Rousey. She just became a person to me. And I remember asking her, I was just like, out of curiosity, is like, what are you doing in catering? Like, you could probably have all your own shit. Like, why don't you? And she's just like, why wouldn't I? Why would I want to keep to myself? This business is fucking so much fun. Like, why wouldn't I want to be in there learning and hanging out with all of these amazing people? Like, this is what I want. This is what I love. I love this, Ben. It's just like being around all of these wrestlers makes me so happy. Getting to do this and even just getting to fucking go and feel the canvas and smell the canvas and just touch the ropes. I'm like a kid. And like, I, why wouldn't I want to do that? I don't care who the fuck I am. She's like, that's that's a different, that's that's UFC, Ronda. Like, I'm just, I'm just trying to be a kid right now, Ben. I was like. You're the most misunderstood person I've ever met in my life. Hmm. Oh my god! Like, so I. Sorry if I'm kind of breaking down. No, no. Down I, I, I gotta say, like, Ronda yeah, thing. Uh, <clears throat> your your stories intrigue me. You, you sound you do sound you sound like an old soul. You sound like a guy who's been around the business for forty years, and I think that's what intrigued me the most about everything you're doing here, Thank which you. is why I wanted to highlight you on the show. I appreciate that. But now we got to get back to the hard questions. All right, hard to. questions. So last couple of questions, and then we'll wrap it up because yeah. you're bagged, I'm bagged, and I got an hour drive back home. Fair enough. So 
pro uh, back to crossbody. Yeah, we talked about you learned the UFC. You went to the gym. Yeah, obviously to help you shed the weight because you're definitely not 285 now. No, not anymore. So once you kind of got that training under your belt, what was the epiphany to start this to kind of give back? Yeah, because so, you had had those rough patches. Yeah. So this is where so I, I I got into the kickboxing stuff and then was doing the MMA stuff down at Adrenaline and then I just remember uh, I remember just watching online seeing. It was Alpha One that got me back into wrestling uh, because I saw what Ethan Page was doing down there and I saw these amazing videos that he was putting together and I just saw all my friends that were – that you started out with getting really fucking good. Like I, I just remember seeing Josh getting like, – he wasn't Jay Phoenix anymore. He was Josh Alexander and he wasn't a pudgy fat kid anymore. He was becoming a man. And then I'm watching like Mike Rollins, who's never, never not been jacked, but he's just turning into this fucking wonderful performer. And I'm like, that's my boy. Like, ah, fucking good for you, Mike. Like, ah, Josh. And then like, you just see like Hacker getting better. You see fucking Alessandro Del Bruno getting better. And I'm just like, boys, like you're, this is so cool. And then like, and then Ethan Page was, the, the videos he was doing were amazing. So I kind of got back into it from there. And then I was getting ready for a kickboxing match. I put out my uh, on my Facebook. I'm like, "Hey, to all my wrestler friends, I'm I need a heavyweight because my gym didn't have very many big guys." I'm like, just jokingly threw it out there. I'm like, "Hey, I need a heavyweight to spar with to get ready for my fight. So if anybody wants to come down and help me, that'd be cool." It was a joke. It wasn't ten minutes later. Notorious TID. I'll do it. Are you sure? Yeah. I'm like, but like I I, I like I legit need to fight you though. Yeah, that's fine. That's cool. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> sure. So I'd been training pretty long at this point. And I was like, dude, I, I'm i not that same kid anymore. You know, and I kind of had to give him that Iggy where, you know. So next thing I know, we're sparring. He surprised me. I surprised him. And it was a fucking... We, we were having so much fun fighting one another that <clears throat> we lost track of time. Like the round, I can't, like we were like, we went three straight rounds without actually, I can't remember, it was stupid. <laughs> so next thing I know, he just invited me down to a show because he was helping book one here in Kitchener for Jeff Marsh. I can't remember the name of it, TCW, I want to say. I don't know what it stands for. Uh, so he, he invited me down to a show. He's like, dude, just come down. Like you, you come hang out. So I went and hung out. Watch the show, and I wasn't really impressed with the show, but it was just good to see everybody again. And I just kind of got those old feelings back, and then it's like, yeah, he's like, if you ever want to come back, you can. And I was like, ah, okay, fine, I'll I'll come back and do a match. So then, uh, next thing I know, we end up doing I end up doing a match in Kitchener, and I'm like promoting it at the at my gym. I'm trying to get people to come down, and the cool thing about my gym is I met a lot of people because Adrenaline is, has UFC fighters, so there's so many people walking in there just for. Like, hey, can I talk to Mark or hey, can I talk to Sam Stout or hey, whatever, right? So you meet all these fascinating people, and like, I met this one guy who who was owning who owned this uh, MMA clothing company, and he was just like, hey, you're doing the wrestling thing? I'm like, yeah. You want me to sponsor you? Like, Whoa, you'll do that for pro wrestling? I know that people sponsor fighters, but like, I never even considered asking for sponsorship to be a pro wrestler. You're like, dude, you're part of the family. He's like, I'll sponsor you. I'm like fucking sweet so he lived in kitchener so we did the match in kitchener 
Long story short, after the match, he comes back and was like, wow, like that was cool, man. I didn't expect that. It's like, thanks. No, no, no. Like that was really, really good. Thanks. And he was like, it started getting awkward. <laughs> and then he just looks at me. He's like, do you want to train people how to wrestle out of my gym? I like, but I live in London. Do you have a gym in Kitchener? He's like, I don't figure it out. Oh, man. And I can say anybody who wrestles had always considered like opening up a gym at some point. So I was just like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, if I know I can't do this by myself. So then I went and found Chris right away. And I was just like, hey, Chris, so sit down with me for a sec. I was like, I just got this offer to like kind of start a gym, like in an already existing gym. If I was to open up a wrestling school, I wouldn't want to do it like this. And we sat down for like 30 minutes. And I was literally like, I would do it this way, blah, 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 blah. He literally just sat there and listened. Like fucking, I could see him taking mental notes. I was like, what would you think about that wrestling gym? And he literally just looked right me back in the eye. He's like, if I opened up a wrestling gym, I wouldn't change a single fucking thing that you just said. I was like, congratulations, you own half a wrestling gym. Let's do this. And that was it. And, uh, we, and it, that, that's how we got started was, uh, we, we, we basically realized let's fucking do this, man. And this, we have the same vision on how we want to do this. And it's not traditional. You know, we, we want to go about it with a bit of a martial arts background and apply all of that, learn all of it. And, you know, I see that, I see that in Holden's style. I definitely see that in Kobe style. Yeah. Like Kobe style has a, a little bit of mixture of everything. And I, I see that. And I, I see, I see the techniques and the style that you do. And I got to say, man, this, this conversation has been, I already expected it to be fantastic, but it's been way above. And I'm not kissing oh, your ass. You. It's been it. way above my, it's been way above. My expectations were high, but this is overshone my expectations. So in my opinion, you just leveled up. In wow. Jesus Christ. You, you look at us. We're, just, we're bringing this full circle here. <laughs> the bromance is starting. That's great. So um, it, so you started the gym with Chris. Yeah. And then what evolved into, I guess. So here's I the guess thing. The, the, we the didn't show. have a damn thing. We no. didn't ha- We didn't have a ring. We didn't have a, we, we literally had nothing. So Chris basically convinced Jeff Marsh to rent us his ring. And we, we put together a deal and that was it. Like we, we, we rented his ring and we, we had it up. We'd take it down for his shows and we would go bring it down and do all the stuff that he needed to do. And then eventually he just got sick and t- I don't know what it was. He like, he just got sick and tired of us using his ring. So we, we took all the money that we had made for people training and we never paid ourselves. And that was really, that's the magic behind this gym is that we did this all for nothing. We took the money that we made and we reinvested it back into the gym. So the money that we made, we pooled. Once he was ready to fucking take the ring out, we had enough money to start building our own. So we took three months and literally went from show to show to show to show to show. And we're literally just there to scout the wrestling rings. And we would be like, well, what do we like about this? What do we hate about this? And we basically sat there and figured out and we designed what we thought to be our perfect wrestling ring. And then we built it. And it's the fucking perfect wrestling ring um, to the point where even Josh Alexander for his new wrestling gym came to us and said, build me a wrestling ring because that's the best ring I've ever been in. So, and, and Trent seven pulled me aside after a destiny show and was like, did you build this ring? I said, well, me and my partner did He's like, you guys need to do this for a living. <laughs> and I was like, that's not really a job, but thanks for the compliment. So anyway, um, next thing you know, we as a team with us and fear the fighter 
ended up merging with this guy, these guys called the Rec Room. Okay. That was all the Fear of the Fighters doing. So we moved in and we literally just set the ring up and then we left to go away for the weekend. Something happened that weekend. I still don't know to this day what happened. But all I know is we came back on Monday and everything Fear the Fighter was gone. And the rec room guys are just like, yeah, so Fear the Fighter, they're gone. It's just us now. And we just looked at each other and we're just like, well, this is awkward because we're with Fear the Fighter. What do we do? He's just like, finish your workout. We'll figure this shit out afterwards because you're already here. So Tyler Thomas, who was our kid, ended up doing a moonsault that night. One of the guys from the rec room was just like, what the hell was that? Huh? That was, what the fuck was that? Tyler's like, it was a moonsault. Guy reaches into his pocket and puts 20 bucks down on the ring. He says, I'll give you 20 bucks if you do it again. Like, that was fucking dope. I want to film it. Okay. So Chris Tidwell is like, I'll fucking lay down for it. So he does. Lays down. Let's Tyler hit him with the moonsault. Guy goes over, gives the $20 to Tyler, and he says, congratulations, guys. You just saved your gym. Hey. So you owe a lot to Tyler. Yeah. Tyler Thomas doing a moonsault saved this gym. That's awesome. And then they welcomed us into their home, and they were very, very good to us for a very long time. And then uh, they ended up moving into another facility. They brought us with them into this even amazing, even more amazing facility. Uh, It just got to the point where we were, I don't want to say outgrowing one another, but their clientele just weren't, they didn't like the noise. You know, Uh, our clientele were getting really, it was just, it was becoming a battle. And we loved one another. So we just decided, you know what? Let's just, we're going to go find our own room. You guys go do your thing. We're family all the way. You know what I mean? Like we, we didn't even know one another, but we just ended ended up in this together. So let's just go do our separate thing. Chris found this amazing facility that we're in right now. And we only actually had half of it at one point. And then luckily the landlords were very, very nice enough to give us a a good enough deal to have the entire room here. So now once we got that room, I was, I I knew that I had to run shows out of here and I knew it was going to be weird just because of where the ring is and stuff like that. But you know, it's, it's really worked itself out and that's, that's essentially how we kind of ended up here. It was a complete, a beautiful row of, wonderful accidents that that's led us to, to where we're at today. And, um, I would love to say that it was our plan to get here, but the reality was, is we always just had it in the back of our minds that it's not about us. It has nothing to do with me and it has nothing to do with Chris. It has everything to do with the, with the, with the family and the, and the gym that we're building, you know, because our goal is, is that we're, we're trying to build wrestlers, but more important to us is that if we can build better human beings on top of that, right? Because we take this stuff very, very seriously. And there's nothing more frustrating than putting down your money and then having your coach not give a shit about you. There's there's nothing more frustrating than that. And we've all been there, I think. At least any of us who have really cared and tried. And you know what? Maybe some of our students do feel that way. I, I honestly don't know. But all I know is that we we do our goddamn best to to make sure that everybody here who's putting in effort gets that effort back into them you know and and i think that that shows with the sense that we literally had nothing and now we've got 
we've got this amazing ring. We've got turnbuckle, like we've got sets of turnbuckle pads coming out the wazoo. Like we've got training turnbuckle pads. We've got show turnbuckle pads. Like we've got our, these are our chairs. Like everything that you see in here, we own the lights, the production, the sound, like this is all stuff that we've just invested in because again, it's not about Chris and I, you know, it's about giving back to the business and the one thing that has been so great to both myself and to him. Because at the end of the day, when it was talking about my family thing, wrestling's never not been there for me. And that's why I love this business so much. And I don't expect anybody else to fully understand that. But my family's never always been there for me. And I'm not trying to shit talk my family. But that that's just not it. Wrestling has always, for the 35 fucking years that I've been alive, always been there. And has it been mean to me? Sometimes. But at the end of the day, it's always welcomed me back. And it's never judged me. You know, maybe the people in it have, but I don't give a fuck about those people. You know, most of those people don't have the common courtesy or the the balls to come in and say to your face what they'll gladly say to everybody else but you. You know, that's the kind of business we're in. And that's the kind of people that I try not to raise. Like there's there's people that you would look around this this province even and be like, man, that guy's the man. Guess what? That guy's a motherfucking asshole. And he's a piece of shit person. You know, but that's what we're trying to not do. We're trying to raise good kids. We're trying to raise good human beings. We're trying to raise good wrestlers because the reality is, is that Chris has a background in wrestling that's much different than mine, but they all blend together. I love the new school stuff. I love the old school stuff. He's very, very into the old school stuff. So we kind of bring that little mutual gel together, right? And we've blended and we've, we've, we've created I don't want to say created because that sounds like we've taken complete credit for other people's hard work, but we've helped provide the tools necessary for guys to go and be pretty successful. The best way I would put it, Ben, and uh, I hope it don't take offense to us, the best way I would put it is that your dream chasers that have given people a plateau to reach their dreams. You know, and that's kind of what my dream turned into is, you know, especially over the last year when, when things went with the WWE the way that they did. And uh, well, what happened there? Enlightenment. Yeah, it didn't go well. Um, so essentially, without going into to some details, uh, let's just say some something happened uh, while I was there, and it happened on the Monday, and it fucked me up bad, real bad. Which is why Rhonda had to pull me aside and talk to me because she saw how bad I was. So I got back on Tuesday. I was just trying to keep my shit together, you know, and uh, I was under the impression that I was, I was going to be doing something on the show. I was kind of given that impression. I was never told officially, but I was given the impression, uh, and then it never ended up happening, and then I had a writer tell me, <laughs> I asked a writer just, I'm like, hey, is that, that spot filled? He's like, yeah. And then he looks at me because I knew I knew the guy from from the Indies, and he just looks at me. He's like, "Ben, did you think that you were getting that spot?" I'll just say it, it was for two hundred five live. He's like, "Yeah, I was, I was kind of under the impression that it was." He's just like, "No, you know that you're too big to be in two hundred five live, right?" 
no, I weigh 200 pounds right now. I'm not too big. It's like, yeah, you're too big to be in 205 Live. And you're also too small to kind of be a main roster guy. So I got the Mike Mata speech from fucking Beyond the Mat pretty much, right? Mm -hmm. And that, on top of everything else that had happened the day before and trying to keep my shit together. That was the icing on the cake. I have never to this – I hope to God I never have to experience a, a, a nervous breakdown like I did right then and there. And I'll tell you what saved my ass. Eric Young. I walked to the left because I was just like, I don't know what the fuck to do. And I ran into Eric Young and I hadn't seen him in years. And I was like, hey, man. And he's just like, hey, Ben. And I was like, hey, brother. How are you? He's like, good. He just looks at me. He's like, you good? I was like, Nope. I couldn't even I couldn't even hold it together. I was like, nope, I'm not. And uh, he just told me to go. It's like Let's go to catering. Like, okay. So the next thing I know, like 15 minutes later, I'm like sitting there eating catering with my back to everybody. I I, I didn't want to look at anybody in the eye because I I was I was I was scared that if I even if somebody even just looked at me and asked me if I was okay, I was gonna break down and cry. Like that's how bad I was. So then. Uh, I just see a plate fall in front of me and a big old fucking hand in the back. And he's just like, talk to me, kid. And it was Eric. And I was just like, oh, shit. So I was kind of, I, I didn't tell him what was going on, but I kind of just gave him the, you know, let him know what was what, what the deal was. Kind of calmed me down a little bit and then just walked away just because he knew that I kind of wanted to keep talking and it probably wasn't a good idea to keep talking. Uh, and then... It got to the point where once the show started, I literally felt like my insides were about to explode. And I had this moment where I was like, I, I've got two choices. I either try to dip out of here and try to hope to God that nobody sees me because if option two happens and somebody says something, like if I, I feel like at any moment I'm about to literally just break down. I can't do that here. So I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I chose option A. I tried to duck out. I was wrong. People saw me. And they were very, very happy to let other people know that they saw me leave early. Mm. So I ended up with a little bit of heat. And I, that was, and, and the reality is 100% deserved because I shouldn't have. That was very unprofessional of me to leave early. You know, I called some of my friends the next day and the day afterwards just to let them know that I was very sorry for, for disrespecting them in the locker room for, for doing that. Uh, but only one person actually understood where I was coming from when I told them that I was like, I'm, it was either this or this and I didn't know what to do, man. And I'm not trying to make excuses. One person understood. And it doesn't matter whether they understood or not because that's on me. You know, that's, that, that was my decision and I unfortunately have to live with the consequences of that. Right. You know? The things that led up to that, to that, I wish I could, there's something in me that I wish that I could just go back in time and, and never have to do that in order for that to become an issue of what it was on that Monday, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I can't, those are all things that happened and those are all things that I got to live with now. And yeah. those are all things that I have to, to deal with going forward, you know, but at the same time too, and this isn't to make an excuse but at the same time when I was doing that WWE stuff, I was doing the Impact stuff as well. And it, I'm, I don't want to say that I don't ever want to go to the WWE, 
But if I'm being completely honest, if you threw me down the option of going to, to do, be a part of that system and then be a part of the impact system where they have me in right now, I'm going to work with impact all day. That was actually one of my questions. So you answered it ahead of time. Hey, <laughs> it's, it's because for me, it's not all about money. When I, when I go to impact shows to work, my fucking God, I wish I could tell you what my fucking heart feels that day. I can't because it's just, it's, it's good. Everything is just feels genuine. You know, you're uh, everybody that's in that locker room, the management, everybody's there for the, the, the greater good of the show. Everybody wants everybody to be fucking better. It is just the most beautiful atmosphere I've ever been a part of in pro wrestling. And especially for me, because I, I look up to Scott Demore so much and for Scott to, to be able to give me the opportunities that he's given me, um, means the world to me, you know, and, and no human, I don't get scared by human beings to this day. He frightens the fuck out of me because of how much I look up to him. Like I have a hard time talking to him because to me, he's like this, this dude on a pedestal, you know, like he, when I first started wrestling, Scott was the guy when I started border city was the shit, you know, and it still is. It's the, it's the fucking bar. Right. So for that guy that I've looked up to this in my my entire pro wrestling career to all of a sudden see the potential in me to do something on the management end is really cool and it's nerve-wracking and the first few times I was scared shitless and he made sure to make sure that like I was scared shitless but he also made me he taught me some lessons too he's like you know in the in the when you're in the fire, like you have to be the, you've got to be the calmest guy because you're the voice when you're directing and when you're producing. So if you're telling somebody else in a panic, Oh, we got two minutes left or something along those lines. Right. Then the panic trickles down. And that was something that I learned. It was a really good lesson that I learned because when we just went in and did these tapings that we just did, like I've been once, once I learned that from that, that first set, I literally got everything that I did at impact. And I, I purchased that exact same equipment, uh, equipment rather, and implemented it here. Like I have the abilities to speak to my refs. I have the abilities to basically communicate to my entire show. I can time the shows out the same way that I do on impact. Impact has a hard cam and then I got two roaming cameras. It's the same setup that I got here. Like I literally tried to mimic it the best possible way that it could. So then that way, if I was ever given that opportunity again, I'd be fucking ready to go. Mm-hmm. I got the opportunity. And at the end of the night, like it was to the point where I, I Scott was trying to, to rattle me. Couldn't because I was just so goddamn calm. I was just like, and I knew what I was doing. I felt confident in my ability. And after the night was over, he just, Scott doesn't, he doesn't hand out compliments. And uh, as soon as I stood up afterwards uh, from the pay-per-view, he just looked at me he gave me a hug and he said, good fucking job. And f- I'll never get that in the WWE. There's, no. there's not a feel. There's no, I, I can't get that feeling. Scott's the guy. He's not easy to impress. You know what I mean? And not only did I impress him, but he sees potential in me to keep teaching me. And for me, that means the world to me. So to me that, that, that between Scott and George, like a destiny, like when I say that those guys are family to me, I genuinely mean that. I would literally fight anybody for those two guys, and, and it has nothing to do with business. It's because those two took a, a fucking chance on me 
And they didn't know who the hell I was. Scott knew who I was, but he didn't have to, you know? George just knew that I was his friend's friend, but knew that I loved the business, you know? He saw that I had some type of potential to do some type of backstage stuff before I saw it, you know? And he told me, like, follow follow this guy. Follow Scott. Shadow Scott. I want you to do these things. I want you to... He was getting me to do all this stuff before I even knew that I was interested in it or that I could be good at it, you know? And these are these are life skills that I could now take with me anywhere, you know? Not only just for pro wrestling, but you could... You could sit me in front of any TV product now and I can time these things out, you know, like they've given me a, a great gift that they didn't have to do. And they could have given that to anybody, but they chose me. So, yeah, those guys, family, like people say bad word about George or Scott in my presence. I take that shit personal. No, I, I had the pleasure of uh, I had the pleasure of interviewing George uh, October last year and uh I, I had to harass him on Facebook for a couple of months to finally get him to get back to me, but he did. We worked around his schedule, and it was the start of an amazing journey that we that I myself and uh, I've been on. And it's been it's gone from George to Josh to Lionel Knight to Holden Albright to Jeffrey Cole to running through to Alexia Nicole to running through all these Just amazing gems. amazing talents of and, and being honored to Justin Zane, Kobe Durst. Being honored to sit down with all these guys, Bianca Corelli, Anthony Corelli. I had the opportunity to sit down with Anthony Corelli. For me, that was huge. That's the pinnacle of my podcasting career thus far. And uh, he, great took dude, a, didn't he? he took a chance. Oh, yeah. Great dude. He took a chance on uh, a startup podcast who had 36 episodes under his belt and was still trying to figure out its voice and where it was. And now, thanks to that man, we figured out our voice. We've made some great connections and it's been humbling and honoring. And my drive is just that much harder. Because my goal is to eventually be on that commentating table one day, on that pre-show one day. I want to be Sam Roberts, but much better looking, in my opinion. <laughs> you don't have the hair, though. I don't have the hair, but I've got the I've, I've got. You could probably pull off the, the facial got, hair I, that he's got going on now, I've but the hair dimples, might be a I've little. got dimples and crystal green eyes. And also, I have a sexy radio voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so just one final question. Yeah, Always cool. want to wrap it up. It's kind of a fun question that we ask. Right now. If you had the ability to wrestle anybody in the business, past, present, or up and coming, or indie, oh man, you got to give me a wrestler. Yeah, you got to give me a stipulation match. It can't just be a a, 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 a standard wrestling match. Yeah, you got to give me a wrestler. You got to give me a stipulation match, and you got to give me the title you're fighting for. If if just off the top of my head, I, I would have to say that if I had to do. Any dream match with any guy, any stipulation, it would be against Eric Young in a ladder match for any title ever. Just so then that way I could feel what it's like to be a part of something that great. I think it would be a barn burner because I saw you wrestle tonight and uh, I was entertained. For me, again, like the bigger name guys is is cool. Like, I, of course, I'd love to be in there with like a Ric Flair. Or, you know, I'd love to go back and wrestle Randy Savage and fucking Hulk Hogan. But for me, again, I'm motivated differently these days now. Like, I'm motivated by personal feelings. Like, and and I don't mean like per like personal, but you know what I mean. Like, I I, I, I want that. I want that feeling. Like, I, I so for for me to be able to wrestle a guy that means that much to me, who would. Who it ladder matches? I don't know if you ever seen him in a ladder match before, but God wow. damn, um, it would just—I would just want to be 
I would love to be a part of something that he does because everything that guy does to me is literally just great and like, but next level great for me, you know? So I think that's it. I think that's a perfect way to end it. Ben, thank you so much for taking the time out today. Man, you are you. officially a member of the Straight Talk family. That's great. Anytime you want to come back, anytime you want to get on the show, anytime you want to, you know, call me up and say, George, let's do it. Come back down. Let's, let's do it again. I'm not going to lie. I'm not typically a, a, a normal podcast guy just because uh, normally I, I'm not a people person, as weird as that sounds. I'm kind of Brock Lesnar-ish in that way where, like, I don't want to say that like, I hate people or anything, but I've just never been very good with, like, I'm, I'm not a personable person you know you've made this very very simple for me like talking to you has been very very easy uh i've genuinely enjoyed this like part of me almost wishes we could go for another hour but we're <laughs> we this has been a long day so, yes absolutely so absolutely man thank you so much for having me on here this thank has been you. nothing but a blast i appreciate it thank you all right guys that was ben orman again this episode drops you're hearing this one next week i got another great one coming up i don't know who it is it's somebody pretty i'm gonna leave it at that i'm not gonna give a hit i can't do it to you guys but we're going to have, that's going to be next week's episode. As always, I am your host. Thank you so much for listening. Peace, love, and stay wrestling. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Catch us every Wednesday at 7.30 on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Also, be sure to follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. Wrestling!